to the 10th episode of Life in a Life with Rhetoric. Let's talk about the decision. I hope that we've all been well and, of course, balanced. It's been quite a fruitful month, I have to say, and um, I do hope that you feel the same. I am quite excited about the conversation for today because uh, I believe that it is totally going to blow you away. Initially, I had something else in mind and then this just came out of space. And I was like, ugh, Rema, I'm going to have to present this. And of course, given the fact that this is the final episode of the Life No Life with Rare to Reach, let's talk about it edition, that is, of this season. This means that the next time we hear from each other, we'll be introducing a new season. Exciting! <laughs> now, before we commence, I'd have to apologize in advance for the noise that you might experience while I speak. Please bear with me. <laughs> uh, I'm sure, with or without it, will do just fine. And so, without further ado, do permit me to introduce the topic of discussion for the day, that is, identity crisis. <laughs> I bet you didn't see that one coming, huh? So, let's talk about it. Identity crisis. Ah, identity crisis, in my awareness, is an expression often used to describe a person who is acting or believed to be acting out of character. Isn't that something? Ironically, it should be the other way around. In my opinion, we are all having or experiencing an identity crisis one way or another. Specifically, anyone, not of course excluding myself, who clings on to identities that do not resonate with their authentic being. Identity crisis, in my opinion, is a state of human zombism. What I'm trying to convey in a nutshell is an identity crisis is likened to being a zombie. <laughs> yeah, of course, this is an extreme, uh, an extreme comparison. Although, I would tell you and I would describe how it all relates. Now, what are the characteristics of a zombie? Let's begin with the most common one, which is that they feed on humans. The next, on emotional creatures. They are non-communicative. Uh, they are decadent by nature, specifically in their physical appearance. And of course, the fact that they are technically dead. I mean, they simply represent something without valuable use, yet they continue to exist, and even worse, they exist to take the life of the actual living. Now, this is the idea of a zombie. I'm not saying that zombies, as we know them to be in the movies, exist, but in definition, yes, zombies exist. A zombie can simply not act out of character. You would never find a zombie, say, dancing in a party or, or reading a book or 
exercising, it is just not going to happen. These entities are programmed agents, you know, just as you would have in characters in video games. They all act out from a rigid script that uh, is totally streamlined to specific actions. And of course, they are totally oblivious to. Now, the thing that is actually mind-baffling is that in our reality, human beings are expected to live and to experience life in this form. I mean, a whole human being in all of our essence and glory, nothing is more powerful more substantial, more beautiful, more dynamic. Yet, we live in a world where we are subjected and expected to live and to be that which is zombified. This, in my opinion, is a cardinal reason why there seems to be a decline in our sense of value for another and, of course, for ourselves. We have placed way above us things that actually mean nothing in an attempt to adopt these identities that have been scripted for us through some lens and perception of someone else's rather lens and perception of the world. While this is no fault of ours, because of course it is the way of the world, it is our responsibility to wake up to this higher truths in order to live in our true nature, which is, of course, divine, powerful, substantial, unlimited, undefinable. <laughs> the list goes on. The reality remains that we were never thought the truth about ourselves. We have been misguided in order to keep us bound for reasons, of course, beneficial and profitable to a select few. Now, call this a conspiracy theory or whatever you may, but I would have you take a good look. I mean, a really close and critical look at what is going on with the world and how we are able or not to compose ourselves. I don't know about you, but it appears to me that everyone is in this trance-like state of pursuing illusions and seem to be deeply disconnected from the self. A few months ago, I came across this short clip of Jim Carrey where he speaks on his struggles with identity crisis and it truly spoke to me and so I decided to share it with you. He says in the interview and I quote, when you create yourself to make it, you are going to have to either let that creation go and take a chance on being loved or hated or who you truly are or you're going to have to kill who you really are and fall into your grave grasping onto a character that you never truly were. I'll let this one sink in for a bit. I mean this hits me like a ton of brick. I don't know if you've ever come across the actual video. One can actually see the pain written in his eyes. Watching that was such a humbling experience for me, I have to say. 
If you haven't, for your benefit, I'll have it uploaded on my Instagram page so you can just look for me. And so, Jim Carrey, who is a Capricorn son, speaking in zodiacs, which makes him an actual serious-minded person in character. Yet, all through his life, he has had to give up his true self in order to maintain the character that everyone seems to so dearly love, who of course is Jim Carrey, the funny guy, the clown, the mind-nominally obnoxious personality, all of which are products of his own creation. I need you to look at it this way. If Jim Carrey were God, of which ideally he is being part of Source and all, he has had to kill himself and to become almost non-existent all through his life in order to keep alive a creation that he himself made. Now, in this context, you must understand that God is Source, which is the beginning and the end of all things which also means that its capacities and its capabilities are endless. It can create and recreate itself as much as it desires to, and it can be and bring into being anything conceivable. Yet, it goes ahead to kill itself, which means that all it can be for the rest of its life is that one limited creation that it has made and it has tied itself to just because a sect of itself admires that part of itself. I hope I haven't confused you. To understand this, you must understand that we all are God. We are all part of source. Think about the Big Bang. Think about God as this one big energy that is just ease. It was not created. It cannot be destroyed. It just came to be. And now it has a consciousness of itself. It knows that, oh my, yeah, I, what, what is this? What, oh my God, I'm, I'm limitless, I'm endless. And then because of that knowledge of self, it realizes that it can experience everything. So fear, love, hate, passion, come everything that you can think of, it can experience. And so in order to get to experience itself, it explodes, it separates itself into different components, into different parts. And then this components and this parts is literally the universe of which we are a part of. And so what it actually is, is that we all are God. We're all experiencing ourselves, which is God from different perspective and through different lens. Does that make sense to you? So, the illusion of separation that, oh, I'm different from this person, oh, I'm different from the plant, or I'm different from this animal. It is an illusion. God can experience itself in any way, in any form, and so it is in everything. It is everything. Now, moving on, I, I felt like I needed to give that, you know, basic idea in order for you to grasp what I have just said. So, are you still with me? So, back to Jim Carrey. That means that the true Jim Carrey, who is the creator, has had to repress himself, whom we are only now getting to experience as an actual individual, in order to maintain an identity of his own making. I mean, the man is already in his 60s, and guess what? 
Now that he is finally awake and has gained courage to step out of that character and actually be himself, people seem to think that he has lost mind. If you don't believe me, just Google Jim Carrey's interviews and you would see actual headlines written by journalists attempting to portray him as someone who has gone insane or who is senile. It is a heartbreaking reality, but this is what the world can turn you into when one is not awake, when one is not conscious of the ways at which the world can negatively or positively influence their entire being. And remember that the world is in a constant state of flux, of change, which means that what applies today can quickly change tomorrow. And so, if one builds their entire identity based on what is expected of them today, rather than who they truly are, which has to be found through sitting with the self, to, through experiencing the self, and finding the divinity in the self, the world can not even grant you the assurity and the security that you need to maintain the identity that it so forces you to embrace. I've met a lot of people who advance in age that are currently going through the repercussions of altering their true identity to fit in with that which was demanded of them by the world, you know, in the time of their youth. And now they seem to be bitter, bitter with themselves, bitter with their families, and with the world at large. I mean, it is an extremely sad place to be. And in order not to find ourselves in such a place, one needs to wake up. You know what they say, an old fool was once a young fool. I need you to always remember that. You know, it's quite telling that a lot of us would resist every chance presented to us to wake up and to return to ourselves. At least not until the veil finally falls off and we're approaching our deathbeds. Haven't you realized that most Western societies are extremely ageist? Why do you think this is? From my observation, it, it causes credited to the reality that when a man or a woman begins to advance in age, they have a lot of time to sit with the self. And so the illusions that they were wrapped up in begins to wear out and now they are forced to deal with themselves an action that is often experienced in a state of deep sorrow and regret they feel abandoned and betrayed by the world which really what is going on is that they feel abandoned and betrayed by themselves and even worse life seems to go on because in truth no one really cares there is a sublime culture that I have noticed uh, is brewing all around the world, which of course has its origins in Western practices and beliefs, which is, of course, the disregard and abandonment of the old. This is where expressions like, and I have to say this in, in a Nigerian expression, leave them now old man. You know, expressions like that hold their roots in ageist views, ageist rhetorics. As soon as you begin to approach your 50s, 
you'd begin to fall into that category of old and you'd find yourself struggling not to um, of course this would cause you a major identity crisis there's a good reason why you would experience fully grown adults you know behaving so juvenile you'd see that there is no actual investment in the self or sense of self and all that really lies within are simply tales and narratives that are streamlined to the commonly accepted ways beliefs and traditions of their times one of the benefits i have found of solitude is that it shorts out external noise and amplifies internal noise i know that it sounds like an easy experience but it actually isn't when one is always engaged in something it is difficult to recognize the true state of their inner being which is most likely suppressed by the chaos and forced upon it by the world. This therefore makes it quite unbearable to go through the tedious work that is needed to self-reflect, to meditate, to dissect, and to recalibrate our entire being. In reality, one cannot run away from these responsibilities as they always tend to catch up with us, especially when we get older, as we get older, the world tends to release its grip on us, you know, which goes to show that what the world is actually after is our energy. And they keep this information away from us so that we can continue to participate in the illusions that have been created. They're like barrels where we invest our energy, our resource, our time, the things that are actually valuable to us in order to keep alive their own truths, their own creations, their own beliefs of reality, you know? And then we do so without knowing. I'm writing a book about this and it will be ready before the end of the year and I cannot wait for you all to read it. I think it's just going to cause a lot of disruption, <laughs> but for good, I hope. <laughs> yeah, so... Still speaking on why most societies are ageist, here's what I have critically observed. Given that people who are fully advanced in age are most likely to begin to see life and the world for what it truly is, those who are in control and who manipulate the actual state of reality of the human experience recognize just how threatening that can be to them in terms of exposing these hidden truths to the world. And so they create a whole lot of ideas that can push an agenda which forces young people to undermine or to overlook the wisdom of the elderly. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not inferring that age is some form of defining quality or prerequisite for discernment or wisdom. What I'm trying to say is that the world tends to suppress and to disregard and to victimize and falsify the aging experience, the experience of being old. You know, you see people running away from aging, whether physically, mentally, emotionally, they just, you're, you're trying to get out wrinkles from your face, you're trying anything that would make you feel like you're old becomes a scare. It is not you. It is the world manifesting its truths, its values on you because it serves them to. 
I am aware that a lot of age advanced people, I don't like saying old people, are still dealing with trauma that they themselves are not even in a position to comprehend. However, from my experience, I do believe that clear intuition would naturally bring one to discernment, especially when you are in touch with yourself and you're aligned. Nevertheless, we must remain cautious of who or whom we seek to take advice from. A lot of people tend to give advice from a wounded place, and you would see a lot of this on the internet. You know, with especially, you know, advices that people give in dealing with people, be it romantic relationships, friends, you know, stuff like let's match energies and all of that stuff. These are advices that are coming from deeply wounded places and spaces. And these people are totally unaware of their wounds. Now, they may not mean you any harm putting out all of this information. I mean, our families even gave us advice that of which they do not mean any harm. They mean good intent, but they are wounded and they don't even know. So the quality of advice they give you definitely is bound to affect the quality of your life, especially when applied. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. Now, not to digress. My point in relating this to you is to make you see that life is something that should be lived and you cannot build courage or the capacity to do so when we are constantly clinging on to the idea or the desire of fulfilling the expectations of the world. As a recovering people's pleaser, I'll tell you this for free, you can never please anyone. Yeah, never. What lines beyond that is even more built up expectations and it never ends. It just changes with the times, meaning that you begin to live at the mercy of the times. Think about, I personally think about when I was younger, how growing up in a typical African home where most African parents tend to only want their kids to be either lawyers, doctors, or engineers. Think about how that has changed over time. How parents now are most excited about their parents being, you know, in sports, being musicians, being painters, being creatives. This is because times have changed. Now imagine if you built your whole personality around that expectation from your parent. Think about how bitter you would be doing something that is not, you, mm, something that you are not one good at, that you had to force yourself to adopt, to learn the skill or whatever, something that you do not find fulfillment in simply because of the pressure of the times. Think about how much inner resentment you would have for yourself and for that parent. And of course, think about how chaotic and unfulfilling that quality of programming is and what it can do to the mind. You end up in resentment and bitterness towards everyone really in your life and towards life itself. This is why you'd often find that a lot of bitter people are in their advanced age. They deal with so much pain and regret you know, therefore, anyone who looks, feels, and seems to, you know, be happy, I guess, 
triggers them it kind of reminds them of the possibilities the opportunities that they missed and they had and what they felt that they were going to be or who they felt they were going to be the plans the intentions all of that sets in so deeply i wish i could truly depict what it feels like to live in such a state it is as though you your own state of being becomes a living hell every and anything that you held or attached your identity to is robbed from you as a result of the changes that are bound to occur in the world i'll give you an example there are a lot of older people who are so bitter i mean when i mean older i mean like people in like 80 90 you know 70 even when they see certain women or men dress a certain way or express themselves in a certain way they're like oh my god this is not acceptable and they're so bitter and you're wondering how does this affect you they are so unconscious of themselves they're thinking that that person is the problem they're not seeing that that person is only a reflection and is mirroring to them what is going on within them that bitterness that anguish because in their times it was not accepted and so whatever desires they felt to express themselves in that way were repressed and now that person who is able to repress or to express themselves confidently and comfortably in such a way is only like a painful memory to what possibilities lies in their past. Does that make sense to you? So when things trigger you, always ask yourself, what is this? What does this say about me? It is never really about the thing that is happening before you, but about you. That is how you self-reflect. What is held in high regards today in a society wouldn't necessarily be the case tomorrow. Sweetheart, people move on and quickly as well, you know. When you base your entire sense of being an identity on the perception of others, you are in for a rude awakening. And the good thing is that when you find yourself, that is your authentic self, the one that is aligned with the person, the being, the dynamic, the flow and function of the universe. Even when things change in the world, you're unmoved, you're unwavered because you are confident, you're grounded in who you are. There is no internal conflict of, oh, um, okay, but I didn't want this, or this is what I wanted. Now I only did this because of this influence. You are just living your life you're living as yourself so what if this changes meet your reality or your experience or not you remain unbothered you remain unaffected now do permit me to paint your picture or a bigger picture to say in order to live our lives in pursuit of pleasing others this also entails that we would have to be open to abandoning the self that is betraying the self by undermining our passions, you know, our true interests, our natural gifts, and our talents. It means that we would have to hate ourselves. And we'll have no control over this resolve, mind you. What we do not understand or know, we tend to hate. And so because we run away from getting to know ourselves, we become frightful of ourselves. We become um, unable to 
trust ourselves, to trust our decisions, to trust our reality, to trust our experiences. And because we are, you know, wired to always look outside for answers and to look up to people, be it our family, our friends, the world at large, we would always gaslight ourselves. You simply cannot have it both ways. You cannot abandon the self and still get to know it. People tend to believe that self-abandonment, I think, and people-pleasing is a righteous quality. Uh, yes, it is. It is for those who intend to benefit from it. And now, it is not. It isn't, at least not for you. It isn't because it is simply suicide. Suicide of the soul. Suicide of the mind. Suicide of the spirit. And eventually suicide of the body when one is constantly obsessed with seeking validation from others they lose interest in themselves they lose trust and view and vision and any sense of self they lose connection or any authentic form of relationship with the self people pleasing is a self-hating tradition that is championed by the society at the cost of our freedom you can take this from someone who has exercised her people-pleasing tendencies to the max. My spiritual awakening came to me in a bang. It slapped me so hard in the face, so hard, I have to say, that I began to struggle to maintain the character that the society, i.e. my family and friends, religious and cultural beliefs, had groomed me to take on. I came to see that I had absolutely no sense of self despite all that I had achieved. I mean, I have never really been someone or a person who would put forth you know, their achievement when they first meet a person or when they meet people. And now in retrospect, I realized that I was successful enough to do that. I mean, I had achieved enough, um, at least in the idea of what achievement should be in societal's perception. I had done so enough to feel confident and comfortable to present myself in any way that I intend to. But somehow, I did not feel successful despite everything that I had pursued, obviously for reasons that barely represent my true core. Not that they haven't come in handy or served me, you know, I don't believe, I believe that everything we experience, we're meant to experience. And I am where I am right now at the perfect time, having the experience that I'm experiencing as it should be. All of this experience definitely have brought me value through my journey through life. But I bet you that I would have excelled even more and had more depth in these experiences that I had if I had taken them up in the right mindset and at the right time. Suddenly, I found that these achievements meant nothing simply because I did them just for doing sake, just because, oh, my mom would be happy if I did this or my dad would be happy if I did this or it would make them look good or it would make me look good. You know, that kind of mentality. I recall that I had to go and kind of revise my motivations. These things that I believe that I'm interested in, 
Why am I interested in it? What are the true motivations to these things? Do I really want them? Or do I want them because they bring some form of, um, I don't know, security to me in the sense that, for example, a lot of people tend to jump into the music industry because of what it presents. Fame, you know, perceived sense of self-worth and fortune, of which we know that all of that are illusions. Now, I might be stuck in a ball where I'm thinking, this is what I want, this are my desires, this is what... But if I do not really sit down within myself and recognize where the real motivation for these desires come from, stem from, I can really gaslight myself into believing that that is what I want for myself. Yeah. I recall that at the dawn of my awakening, people actually thought that I had lost mind. And to be honest... I may have felt the same way, but for some reason, I just did not seem to care. I felt imprisoned by my fears and I wanted to live like I was going to die the next coming days. I realized that I hadn't experienced this life as in a way that I wanted to, or I believed that I was meant to, and that all of my reasons for not living the life that I actually desired was as a result of fear, fear of the self, fear of what was to come, you know, obviously more of fear of the self because I didn't know myself well enough and even more so fear of judgment from the people that I love and I respected, people who I saw myself through, people who I judged my entire value and self-worth through. If you can do some thinking in this moment, you recognize that fear tends to take dominance in our perception of the future or in our experience of the past. This therefore means that in actuality, fear seems to, it seeks to rob us off of the only thing that actually matters and exists, which is the present. Let's look at it this way. The future does not exist. The only thing that exists is now, the present. And if we are wrapped up in fear, we cannot live in the now because we are either stuck in our idea of what is going to happen in the future or an idea of what happened in the past that may happen in the future, all of which are illusions. Because if you die right now, there is no future. Future is an idea that was brought to be through language and meaning. But in its actual sense, it doesn't exist. If you act in a way that is coherent with your ideal self, you're most likely to experience a future which would be your present that is in that same coherent manner, that works in that same flow. And so if you do not pay attention to your present, if you're always escaping your present, honey, those fears, that those things that you're afraid of, you're most likely to, going to experience them in your future. Because you're not working, you're not acting in accordance. You don't even have the willpower, the sense to act in accordance to what would provide you or present to you the future that you actually desire. That is what fear does to you. It steals you, it robs you of of your ability and your capacity to take part in your actual presence in the only thing that actually means anything. And that is what the world works 24 hours of the day to steal away from you. Your capacity to recognize this 
and to control your world and to take charge of your world. Remember what fear is. It is false evidence appearing real. I mean, for the very first time in a very long time, going through my spiritual awakening, I began to act past my fears. Since I began this journey, I've always transparent about my fear for judgment from others, and especially from those I love and I admire, because it was a critical wound that I never paid any mind to. And I've come to recognize that it is quite deep. It runs so deep. In exposing myself to these negative feelings and emotion that fear kind of brings to me, I have totally limited myself and I've created all sorts of negative experiences and I've aligned myself with people who also are operating on the same vibration. Now, while I was, you know, shredding skin, while I was having a death and a rebirth, guess what happened to me? All of that fear, all of those fears at least that I had, they began to take form. Yeah, I mean, I was judged by people that I loved, people that I I would never judge, that, you know, I embraced and, oh wow, it, it was just so overwhelming. Boy, it felt like the ground was opening and I would just fall into it and I just did not want to be perceived by people ever again. I mean, it was deep. I was so broken and I'll beat myself over it for so long. Then gradually, of course, like I said, this is all a process. I began to see it for what it actually was. That is, of course, an illusion because it held no true power over me. It did not define me, neither did it give me anything really valuable. This was the beginning of my healing. And I would never forget those moments of my life because they became the catalyst for my transformation. And now I simply am thankful for them. I'm thankful to them. I'm thankful having been exposed to all of that. Now I trust myself. I trust my sense of reality. I trust everything that I'm going through. I trust the universe. I trust that I am the universe and that I deserve a good life that I deserve to be here as much as anyone else does. As I healed my inner child, I suddenly began to create, to aspire, to dress, laugh, act, talk, walk. I began to become that which I truly was, unapologetically, unpretentiously, unwavered by the external factors that held me bound to fear in my past, to shame, to regret, or to pain. I totally disconnected with and from anything that made me feel judged or less of myself and simply became that which I truly am. That is me, divine, beautiful, exotic, loving, kind, nurturing, spiritual, in every sense, magnetic. Oh, Loretta, (laughs) sorry, I got carried away there. So ever since then, I have eased into working on myself as a whole. I have dedicated my time, energy, resources, and my heart to self, to loving, 
to nurturing, to healing and mending my wounds and trusting myself. What I can say is that although it has been quite a hectic journey, it has been absolutely worth it. I know who I am and I love who I am. I know what my capacities and my capabilities are and where my strength lies. I know where I'm going and I can already see what I am to become. Therefore, I'm dedicated to simply becoming. And I'm also in a state of release, of a flow. I wish this for you. I really do. When you're in this state, you're moving with the flow of the universe. You tap into your divinity and you wake up to the knowledge and the truth of who you are. You allow peace and love and kindness and grace to bring you contentment and harmony within yourself. And it shows. It shows outwardly. It shows in the way that you are and who you are. You become this beam of light. I personally would continue to dedicate myself to growing, which keeps me... Um, at a place where I attract people of like minds and like energies. And of course, it keeps me on my path and in situations that are for my highest good and on my vibration. I therefore vow to think, to speak and act from the best parts of myself. And in any capacity that I decide to invest my energy, be it creatively, my family, present and future, my partners, romantic or not, friends, foes, tell me about it, anybody at all, knowing that they are also me, I shall thrive. I am showing up fully present and healed, and even more so, to the best of my ability. And I know that you also deserve such an experience. And now... Oh my God, we've gone. Yeah, we're going to take time today because this is the last episode, okay? So yeah, forgive me and forgive you too. (laughs) And now we shall round this episode up with these final words. My darkness is so powerful. It is all consuming and so is my light. Both complement each other quite well and bring balance to my life an energy that I intend to maintain and pass on to my children and them to theirs. Life is working just as it should. Both positives and negatives all are orchestrated for my highest good. And I say this with most certainty. I lack nothing and I actually have everything that I need and desire nothing out of myself. My energy is pure It's unadulterated, it is soothing and untainted by anything, not even by me. I am thankful for each given day and will continue to be as long as I draw breath. I am protected in every way, in this lifetime and in my next. And I forever shall continue to live in the spirit of love, harmony and abundance, always. It is therefore in such guided spirit and motivation that I say... We have come to the end of today's episode of Life and a Life with Rhetoric. Let's talk about it edition. Ah, it is quite humbling and satisfying, I must say. I still recall when I began this podcast. I had no microphone and simply spoke into my speakerphone. And now, here we are, with a microphone and so much more. 
<laughs> well, you all have been so splendid through this journey. I have truly enjoyed every second and minute with you. You have been a motivation for me in ways that you don't even know or understand. All I have to say to you right now is keep on living. You are loved. You are deserving of being here just as much as anyone is. You are enough. You are enough. You are enough for yourself and for others and for the world. And you have to see and to recognize this. I'll see you again on our next season of Life and a Life with Rhetorich. For now, take care. Love and light always. Bye-bye.